This episode of Blitzed is brought to you by Rip Curl's Mirage Activate Board Short. On sale today. This is Mick Fanning's secret weapon. The ultimate compression liner board short. Developed by the three-time world champ, Mick, he's that fucking good Fanning, and WSL co-medical director and sports medicine specialist, Dr. Tim Brown. The targeted technology within the board short helps you surf stronger for longer. It works by activating core surfing muscles to balance power, posture, and joint alignment. The firm yet flexible fit also offers rash protection, decreasing lactic acid buildup. This all amounts to board shorts that let you perform at a higher level and recover faster. I was struggling with tight hips and a little lower back stiffness, explains Fanning, about why he sought out the tech during his three times world title campaigns. I finally got my hands on a pair of the liners, put them on, went for a surf, and instantly it felt like someone had grabbed my butt cheeks and lifted them together and made them real perky. What that did was ease up on my whole back. The looseness that I felt in my mid and upper back, I went surfing and didn't have any stiffness whatsoever. Are you kidding me? Bodies that lift your butt cheeks and make them perky? Woo! Get me some of that gear. When you put these shorts on, it almost feels like someone has grabbed you from behind and given you a good old lift, continues Dr. Tim Brown. Really helps to align the body and it helps to make your body feel more powerful. And in fact, it helps your performance the first time you put them on. Other technical features include hydrophobic quick dry coating, body mapping silicon grip, rash free fly mesh, a surf grip waistband, secure lock draw cord, aerotech outer shell, and recycled Mirage Pro fabric. Fucking get that in here. <laughs> Ah, the shorts come with a 30-day performance guarantee where you can return them for a full refund or credit if you're not 100% stoked with how they work. Head to your closest Ripcurl store or board short stockist to try some on and feel the difference or check them out online. Ripcurl.com <laughs> Get those perky cheats, tweet! The Ripcurl Mirage Activate is available for the first time ever today. And don't forget, you can sign up to Club Rip Curl while you're there. Rip Curl, mate. Blitzed. ATS. Perky as a motherfucker up in here. Competition surfing. Rashes. Oh, yeah. Yes, Shredheads, Waxheads, Kooks and Barneys, welcome to Blitzed, pure, tour, nerdism, and what was one of, nah, fuck that, it was the greatest surfing contest of all time. It was the greatest contest of all time, Woo! Fucking hell. That was one for the history books. I mean, got to be the greatest contest of all time. The greatest contest in my memory. uh, Won by the greatest of all time. Yeah. Kelly called it the greatest win of his career, now totaling 56 CT wins. It was groundbreaking, historic in countless ways, Vaughn. Mm. What did you make of it? 
Mate, you know very well, and I know very well, and Swillians know very well, that my favourite contest of all time was actually the last Billabong Pro at Pipeline, the 88 Billabong Pro. Barton Lynch won it, but it was just high drama from heat one all the way through to the end. Big third reef wash-throughs, absolute days of glassy perfection, um, hideous wipeouts, craziness everywhere. Uh, Tom Carroll, I think he was going for the world title at that point. Career best form. Absolute shoe in to take it out, done on a paddling interference, just everything you could imagine, Smith. And I always have that as sort of the high high mark of, of competition in terms of it all coming together perfectly with just stories unfolding left, right, and centre. Uh, and then I wasn't there for that though. I was on the beach when Slater won his sixth world title in '98. That was the the famous Jake Patterson year, Willsey and Cambo sending it over the ledge on you know. Second reef, stand up on the first reef, just total carnage. Mm. Uh, Hoyo got done. Andy snapped his board in four places. It was just going off. And the goat, of course, you know, standing tall in backdoor tombs, just absolutely rinsing it. So I've been there for one that I absolutely love just through mythology. And I've been there for one of the all-time classics. But I just don't know, man. This was something else entirely. This was just a brain melter of such gargantuan proportions uh, I just I, I just want to stomp my feet and light a match for every single surfer who was in it men and women thought the WSL did a, a pretty sick job the fucking broadcast was all time and uh, I just don't know if we're going to see anything like it again for a long time mate I mean I, you think about the, the events that have been stuck in our brains the last few years chopes with the John John Kelly heat but man the way this thing came together, Smithy, the stories and the go, the go. Woo! 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 <laughs> oh, can't cop it. So good. A couple of quick points to touch on before we get really deep into it. I mean, just a credit to everyone who took part in this event because mm. it was fucking fatal, death-defying, 10 to 12 to 15. Mate, you might even call some of the wave faces 20-foot at pipe on mm. that big day. Uh, I think uh, whatever that day was, the second day of the men's. But just the the courage was remarkable from, you know, guys who are unheralded, gritty, just unknown rookie, semi-pupo, um, Jao Chianka, Callum Robson, uh, you know, just the, just the fucking moxie. The cojones, uh, yeah, it blew my mind. I, I, I was I was screaming at the TV. I was scared for competitors. Um, remarkable. And it just kind of makes me think as well how much we've missed out on not having pipe masters mm. in January. Mm. Uh, you know, when wave heights average out at 10 feet across the month. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, you, you mentioned you haven't seen anything like this before and you don't know if we'll ever see anything like it again. Well, maybe we'll be seeing a lot more events like this run at pipe now mm. that we're using that January window. So an, an absolute master show from the WSL. We questioned it big time, not having the grand final at pipe, but it's proved an absolute master show. What a way to get the the world tour underway. It, it's just incredible. You couldn't have a more absorbing storyline play out on both sides, the men's and the women's. It's psycho, mate. Like it was just, you know, here we are, event one. Look at who's number one on the ratings. No one... <laughs> Would have ever thought that, you know, a wild card would be number one on the women's side of the draw, not with the way that Carissa was surfing in the lead up to this event. And you would have bet almost your entire life savings, house, dog, family, every single thing you own on John John winning this event. And out of nowhere, you know, this new breed of pipeline surfer just stood up. And it wasn't just those, uh, 
you know, next generation people who are going to be masters out there. It was just everyone. As you said, the courage was skit, Smivy. Woo! Woo! Oh. All right, let's start with the set of six. Born at number six, the GOAT. Uh, as historic and groundbreaking as this event was, everything pales in comparison to what this man has achieved. Uh, just a quick look at some of the numbers. This mm. is courtesy of the Breakdown, a great surf stats page. Check it out. Let's start with this. Slater's 18.77 combined total in the final to defeat 24-year-old Hawaiian Seth Moniz is the third highest combined total in a Pipe Masters final ever. Whoa. So, I mean, this goes to the heart of one of the biggest takeaways from the contest for me, and that is that the GOAT did not just win the Pipe Masters, he won it in a fucking canter. Uh, you know, he dominated this event. He was untouchable in the final. It was big, it was windy, it was angry, and it was sketchy, and the 49 plus 360-day-year-old put on an absolute clinic, Vaughn. Uh, mm-hmm. It was spellbinding goatishness beyond the realms of imagination, beyond the furthest reaches of sporting precedent. This is something that surfing owns all on its own. What a fucking spectacle. What a <laughs> privilege for planet Earth, for surfing kind, uh, to bear witness to all the respect and love in the world to the GOAT for what he's done, uh, you know, just for humans' understanding of longevity. Um, I loved his message of, uh, you know, he was just all about being in the present, focusing on his breath, um, you know, surfing with love uh, in the final, which I found so interesting because, you know, he was as aggressive and in the face of Seth Moniz, a kid, a kid he's very close to, as he's ever been. You know, Strider's in the channel going, I haven't seen Kelly like this before mm. in a heat ever. Mm. He was just fucking sending it. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems incongruous that you can surf with love while being that aggressive. But as Slater said after the heat, you know, this is about putting on a show for the people. Seth himself said to the GOAT uh, prior to the heat, I want, I, want, I want the best you've got. You know, let's go. Let's fucking go at this. And, mate, they just went toe-to-toe. And the GOAT just put on a masterclass of head fuckery, of <laughs> pipeline goatishness. Um, you know, within 10 minutes, he could have been sitting on two nines. Like, he, he'd already packed a fucking psycho pipeline that just feathered on him and pinched him. Um, and then, you know, he was undeniable. He was mm. undeniable. What yeah, a performance. Yeah, I, I totally agree. He's on top of the highest peak, bleating triumphantly into the universe, spirit molecule at full vibrations, purple chakra beaming with enlightenment, cone glands humming like Tibetan prayer bowl smithy, the high priest of packing it, defying time, gravity, age, and an entire field young enough to be his grandkids to take out the greatest contest of all time. It couldn't really be any other way. Uh, and it's just so freaky, Smith, that my entire being has been so stoke-soaked in goat juice that I think it's starting to leak, leak out my nipples, mate. That's, that's how I feel. I, I was so on board, like you say. It was nothing but appreciation to be a, a surf fan who has watched this career. You know, I've been through my highs and lows with the goat. I've had times where he was doing my head in when he was winning and it just didn't feel like it meant anything. And, you know, he'd get his, like, pure cunt on and just try and, like, win in ways that you didn't always agree with. But this event, he showcased it all. And he showcased it all with that elevated position of experience and just spiritual karma, don't you reckon, Like that he's tapped into over the last few years. Trying to figure out who he is has been 
a life mission for him in the last decade for sure. Mm. And winning in a, in a way that really means something to him. I mean, you saw the yell when he hit the beach. I've never seen him clench both fists and just let it out like that. That was that was new. That was guttural. And um, yeah, I just it's it's a full privilege, man. It's a full privilege to be here and to watch that. And I am just. Swimming in goat milk, my friend. Swimming in the goat juice. Let's talk about a couple of the waves. Uh, the backdoor, backdoor guillotine late in the heat. That was some death-defying shit. He got a nine-seven-seven for it. And, you know, a ledgy late drop. Ducks under a fucking aquatic axe, and then stands tall like Gandalf in a Mordor chamber <laughs> of doom. Absolute wizardry. What? That thing was outrageous, and uh, you know that was that essentially. Plunged the the knife into the chest of Seth. It was all over at that point. Uh, interesting to hear when they were back on the beach. And you know, Seth didn't even know that th- that had happened. He thought he was in it with a chance. And it's like, nah, dude. Mm. He's got two fucking nines. Mm. He got smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy, heavy for Seth to try and uh, basically it, it was it was all there on the board. The runs were on the board in that first exchange. Classic Kelly, mate. Just you know, getting the first peak, being more hungry, wanting it that little bit harder, and even just. Getting under his nose, you know what I mean? Like really making him fight for it, I guess, is the word. It wasn't going to be like a bro down, like a, a, a let's, yeah, let's do this. It, like you said, it was actually like a full-blown let's throw it down because Seth is the guy, mate. He is the guy, the Hawaiian prince. We'll get to him in a minute, but his performances over that comp, you know, could only really be eclipsed by Kelly. That was it. So it was the it was the epic final and uh, yeah, I just, I just can't believe the body can handle the G forces that would have been pressed into his bones with some of those bottom turns, like so late, full body arch to just, just avoid that fucking cascading Niagara Falls like guillotine. Ah, oh! woo, woo, woo! I'm fucking juiced up, Smithy. Hectic. I just loved, you know, there could have been a bit of awkwardness there. There could have been that kind of passive aggressive weirdness because of the relationship between Seth and Kelly. You know, that they're, they're so close. Like Tony Moniz was, you know, almost like a father figure to Kelly on the North Shore in those early years. You know, um, he was a, a mentor to Kelly's hero, Clark Little, and there is this tight, decades-old connection between the Moniz family and Slater. Seth loves him like a, an uncle, like a family member. So there was that opportunity for Slater to kind of use that against Seth. But, you know, to Seth's credit, he just said, mate, I want what you, the best you've got, Goat. And the Goat fucking gave it to him. <laughs> it was un- incredible. Let's have a look at some of the Goat's traps Take that he's laid. Um, opening exchange, nearly crossed over on a split peak in a virtual replay of that Miguel Pupo interference mm-hmm. in the semi. Um, that was genius from the GOAT. Uh, but, you know, young Seth, he was just smart enough to avoid copping a paddle interference right off the first exchange. Heck, it was right there. The GOAT, you know, he's fucking so crafty. That Miguel Pupo oh, A-frame interference. Up the right, the backdoor one, it was a fucking burger. It was a, <laughs> there was no way, there was no scoring opportunity on that. And you saw as soon as they squared off on the Pete Slater just quickly popped to his feet and went, I will take that son. Fuck off back to Brazil. It's game on. Pete it's Goat. Goat Town. Pete Goat. Population. Woo! 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 Yeah! 
and uh, so that was the first trap the Grandmaster laid for him. Uh, and it, it just laid the foundation for 35 minutes of vintage goat head fuckery, under priority, sniffing around, doing head fakes, using old Yoda trickery to sell Seth on lemons in his fucking backyard. Seth's local, that is, pipeline. Um, you know, he's paddling under him, uh, you know, splashing water around him, just like... Uh, you know, by the 10, like, you know, almost had two nines by the 10 minute mark um, and just built and built and built that house in the mm-hmm. final fucking juggernaut of momentum, a tradesman-like, uh, architecturally sound performance from the GOATs. Uh, yeah, just remarkable. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and uh, once he started to feel relaxed in that heat, once he had sort of outmuscled Seth mentally, emotionally, and physically, how was the surfing, mate? Like, it just started to sing. And it, even he, you know, I think my favourite moment in that final is where he comes out and he's just doing this huge lean back with his hands on his little goat antlers and he's just looking up to the sky and he just sort of peels off to the side going like 80 k's an hour or something. And that's when you started to just feel this emotional rush just take over because if you're a surf fan and you've been on this journey with the goat, and all of us have been, that was where you started to see this emotion that we just haven't seen with him for a long, long time. It's been a long time, Smith, mm. since the GOAT really challenged for a win. So it was huge. You're right. It was such a pure pipe and backdoor surfing performance. On those kind of, uh, what was the wind? It was like kind of nor'east. It had a bit of that side shore chatter in it. Hectic. It's so hectic. Big lumps coming up the face as you're trying to knife under the lip into heavy ones. But the goat, with all of his decades of experience there, he knows that on those swells, there is these ones that kind of go under a bit. They're a bit thicker. And uh, that you don't actually necessarily want the tall bombs. You want the fucking squared out ones. Mm. And he found several of them at backdoor um, in the final. My favourite was as Jesse Miley Dye, the women's uh, commissioner, comes on the screen and says, conditions are, are not good enough for the women to surf. Uh, the goat just packed the glassiest, thickest rounders backdoor one uh, of the final. I mean, maybe not the thickest rounders, but fuck, it was the dreamiest <laughs> one he found. All <laughs> it, it was Bad sh- timing, wasn't it? Shonky, sad-ass timing oh, for that announcement. And uh, shades of, uh, I don't think anyone really believed that announcement either. You know, It was, it was a bit of a band-aid over what was really going on, which I think if, uh, well, this is speculation at this stage, but I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of it, but there must have been a discussion and and it was just fucking treacherous and dangerous. Mm. And I don't think anyone would have actually been bummed if they came out and said, look, we've talked to the women who want to surf in these finals. It's just too treacherous. Mm. But saying the conditions are wonky and then seeing Kelly get a fucking 10, I mean, or close to, we'll get to that in a minute as well, but it was bad look. Bad, bad look. It was almost an action replay of the 2012 Fiji cloud break event where we had the uh, forlorn contest director calling it off exactly as Ryan Hipwood's packing the fucking wildest 12-foot cone behind him. Like, literally split-screen vision of the contest director saying conditions are not good enough while a guy is getting the barrel of his life. Uh, oh, it was just too funny, but... I reckon you're dead right, Vaughn. Uh, it was sketchy out there, man. It was, you know, fucking 10 to 12 foot plus and it was, feathery fucked it up. It was not pipe. by any stretch of the imagination perfect. Every single wave was a fucking bronco buck and bull ride, man. It was like, you know, we saw it. Like just just how many ridges. Those, they, were, they weren't ridges. They were wedges. They were full-blown chops moving through the wave face. Everything about it looked... So treacherous. And, uh, yeah, I just think that the surfers, uh, you know, you've got those guys, Seth and Kelly out there just making it look 
every bit as uh, hard as it did look. Like, no, no, no waves that those guys caught. I think the first five, ten minutes of the final had no makes. They were getting really properly dusted up. And Seth took a wipeout in the semi. I thought, that's it. I thought it, Slater's might get a walkthrough in this, in this final. But uh, thankfully, it was all right. You know, big, solid one right on the back of the head. There was no shame in saying, you know, we're going to hold off the women till tomorrow. I just don't understand what the, what the uh, logic was there. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Uh, interesting to hear some of Slater's strategies for keeping calm throughout the event, particularly on finals day. Um, heard him mentioning the breath, breath work, I would imagine. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just staying present. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Wim Hof he's tapping into, but you'd probably imagine it's something very similar. Uh, and just his ability to keep his composure and kind of keep the emotion at bay. It really is his his secret strength. It, he's so untouched when he wants to be by the occasion. Mm. He just can block it out like no other surfer. And I think that's really one of the hallmarks of his career. Um, you know, and in that more esoteric realm, I am going to go there, Vaughn. Um, <laughs> Good. You know, this guy is tapping some seriously cosmic Gaian energy. You know, like we know he's tapped into plant medicines. We know he's into his yoga, his meditation. We know he's clearing that karma debt from decades of Mm -hmm. head fuckery and who knows what else. Uh, You know, he's got his own brand out of known that's dedicating to helping the planet. He uses his profile to maximum effect in that way. Uh, And then looking at his numbers coming into this event, 55 CT wins, 11 world titles. They are heavily resident numbers in the spirit world, Mm. power numbers, master numbers. Uh, And whenever whenever I see him show up, I know I'm on track. So I'm not sure what that meant to Kelly, but it is cosmic. And we heard him kind of mention that after the final to Kaipo. We'll hear that grab in a second. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's just something else at play almost with Slater. It's... He, he's just, he's on a path at the moment. He's, he's almost at a, the most special place in his career, the, the purest place where he's, he's competing in a way that is just generating so much respect, goodwill, and maybe more than any of that, inspiration for everyone who watches it. it it's a seriously uplifting moment. I had tears in my eyes watching him, you know, chaired up the beach by Seth after the final. It was just a fucking ultra power powerful sporting moment for me. He, he attaches so much meaning to numbers, Smithy. Like, I, I, he's, my, he's the biggest numerologist I've ever known because, you know, it's not just, you know, these numbers fit together mathematically. He attaches all that cosmic meaning to them. You know, like, in his brain, and this is what sets up the big cartwheel, I think, for the next uh, little bit, which I'm sure you're going to get to in a minute. But, you know... To win that comp 30 years after his first pipe win, that would have been in there somewhere. You know, finishing number one, like number one in the world if he wins this comp, that would have been in there too. Like getting back to that position on top of the tree, on top of the pyramid, you know, the the place where the the laser lights are just shining and you're in touch with all those fucking other worlds and who knows what's going on. Uh, It just seems to me that the numbers are always matter to him. And it's not just about the winning. It's like, how do they fit together? And how can I make this mean something to me? It's bizarre. Isn't it? Isn't it? Let's get into some of those numbers. As you mentioned, Vaughn, 394 months or 30 years since he won his first Pipe Masters or what was then the uh, Marui Pro at Pipeline. That is the longest span between a first and last CT victory and the longest span by a fucking country mile. Big time. Uh, It's his eighth Pipe Masters victory, which is more than any surfer at a single location. And uh, I mean, where to for now? Where to now for the GOAT? I mean... 
I propose some kind of Pipe Masters legacy wild card, uh, regardless of what his decision is with the World Tour. I feel like, you know, he almost has to get a berth in this event um, every year for as long as he wants. Or, and or, uh, maybe we could come up with some kind of, uh, you know, the winner of the pipe comp has to surf off against Slater after the final hour-long heat for the WSL's Grand Wizard Trophy, uh, <laughs> which will essentially be Slater's star trunks refashioned into a wizard hat. That would be the trophy. <laughs> But uh, something like that, I feel like he needs to be a part oh, of this event for as long as we can have him a part of this event. Yeah. And, and he'll always want to be there surfing in it. And I don't see what, I mean, sure, we've got to bend the rules, but fuck, the WSLs are, you know, not foreign to doing that, as mm. we know from countless injury wildcard sagas over the years. What do you reckon, Vaughn? Where to now for the GOAT? Well, I think the biggest conundrum that the GOAT's facing is in this little 10-day period between pipe finishing and sunset starting or or however long it is. It might only be a couple of days, actually, because, you know, the temptation has to be there, doesn't it, to go out number one in the world? Like, you know, for the last, let's say, five years, all he's heard is people going, oh, why didn't he go out when he was challenging for world titles? Has he blown it? You know, why can't he just accept that this next generation are just too good? Well, he's put that whole argument to to bed. That's gone. That's to one side now. So he's number one in the world. He could go out on top. But, mate, it's top five now. And getting back to, you know, attaching meaning to numbers and stuff, what was his first ever professional win as a professional surfer? In America, you you are amateur and you have to say that you're going to be professional so that you can win prize money and all that stuff. It was Trestles in Kelly Slater in black and white. So there's that, which is just a huge carrot for someone like Kelly who attaches, you know, all these deeper meanings and mathematical equations. He's like going, imagine that. Imagine if I won a world title, number 12 at Trestles, where it all started. And that's going to be one thing. The other thing is just from a pure surfing point of view, man, G-Land, you know, he was there for that. I think he's the only surfer on the entire tour who surfed in that very first Dream Tour event. So that's sitting there like another big carrot. And so is Chopes, uh, who he shares, I think, most winningest winner honours with Gabby Medina and Owen Wright at that break. And J-Bay, mate. Don't forget J-Bay as well. That, that is a wheelhouse. That is – Kelly can just fuck Australia off. He doesn't even have to get the shot if he doesn't want to. He doesn't have to deal with it. You'd imagine he might go deep enough at sunset to – you know, just lock that away. And then those other waves, they're just, they're big carrots and goats love carrots, Smivy. They <laughs> love them. He's just got his little trotters out, walks over to the carrot, gets his little salt cube, lick, 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 chew, chew, chew. Here comes the goat. I just can't see him not going for it. His brain won't let him. Yeah, glad you made that point because Ross Williams on the broadcast made a very similar point. He claimed he, he can eat, this is a quote, Easily see him in the top five end of the year. And yeah, like you said, Vaughn, that is based on G-Land, J-Bay. Sunset, not one of his favorite waves, but fuck, he, he's good out there. He, he can uh, he can do some serious damage in the draw there and make it to the pointy end. Um, I also think um, just just the way that his brain works and the way he adapts, like he, he's the, the most adaptable surfer we've ever seen ever. That's why he's got longevity as well as his health, the breathing, the work he's done on himself. But the way that he's able to compete against... New new generations, change his lines, change his surfing. As if he didn't watch those Jack Robbo performances where instead of trying to go for the peak and the big turns, you just 
hug that inside point if the swell's good and just start getting funneled. That plays right into his hands at sunset. We haven't really seen him have that opportunity to bring that approach to that wave. The lineup there is so – there's so much going on. We've heard Gary Elkton on the podcast, you know, one of the sunset greats just talking mm. about – all the various swell directions and the wading tracks of the reef and the channel and, and the rip and like it's a fucking an absolute minefield of a playing field. Um, we also we're gonna hear uh, in the next week or two a podcast with Dean Morrison, uh, one of the Cosmic Apricot sessions from the Up Usher Cup there, mm. talking about Slater's oceanic intelligence and just being up close to it uh, for years onto it. It was just something that he couldn't quite fathom, like. No matter what stop it is on tour, he has the read on the joint in ways that are just so far beyond the reckoning of any other competitor. And we saw that uh, in the heat with Barry Mamiya, um, where you know it was an overlapping heat. He's come up with probably the greatest wave of his surfing career there. Mm. Like it, it's on par with the high line at Chopes to uh, get the nine nine four, whatever it was, against John in that semi. Uh, this buzzer beater, the craziest thing about it, he's in an overlapping heat. And there's about fucking five or ten seconds to go, and he lets the first two waves go, and mm. you see Kanoa pack one of them and get blown out, and you're like, what the fuck is he done? He's holding priority. And he's just let uh, he's let a screamer go by, but the goat knows that you know the the he just knows the lineup so well at pipe. He has the confidence to let waves go through, set waves at pipeline with ten seconds to go, and get the the second or third wave of the set gets spat out. He's he's already claiming it uh, before he's made the tube. Just one of the craziest things you've ever seen in surfing. All of it based on heat strategy and just understanding the dynamics of the pipeline up like no one else on earth. And he takes that intelligence to every stop on tour. Mm, yeah. It's so incredible to think that at 50 years old, he's still catching the best ways of his life and his career. You just can't fathom. And that was easily in my top five all time. Kelly Slater rides mostly because once he got off the bottom and pulled into that thing and realized about halfway through that it was going to be the score. He just stands up. He lets go of the rail. Like that thing could have just clipped him or knocked him off at any second after he let go of the rail. You know what I mean? He's just in perfect flow state. And that was, I think, the arsiest thing. That was the most lubed up, fucking self-believed asshole move I've ever seen. And it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, I mean, look, knocking Barrow and me, it almost had to happen because it doesn't matter what year it is, he's going to come up against the best guy on the planet at Pipeline in the Pipe Masters, and he's going to rise to the occasion, mm-hmm. and the chances are he's going to fucking beat him. Barrow and me this one. I mean, he, he's beaten a who's who of Pipe specialists uh, over the last five years. Seth Mooney's in the final. Baron Mia in whatever heat that was. Jack Robinson last year. John John Florence the year before that. Mm. It's just he lives to take on the guy at pipe and just fucking dominate him. Agreed. Yeah. He was just incredible. I can't believe how good that wave was. It's, it's still just epic. And, you know, even Tulsi Gabbard, mate, future president of the United States, posting it and just going, the guy. Woo! 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 Yeah! 
All right, uh, let's hear a bit of what Kelly had to say to Kaipo in this amazing interview following his win. Uh, this is courtesy of the WSL broadcast. That was sport history, my man. I want to I want to know what you feel like right now. Seth, we want you up here too. Seth, come. Soak it in, my man. Eight times, four decades, 1992, 2022, my man. You did it. This is sport history. I mean, no, it's today, man. I was out there telling myself, just be in the moment. No matter how much tension there is, just breathe. Clients telling me this morning, just breathe. So I just breathing, just be in the moment, and just all the tension, all the, you know, I saw, I thought Seth broke the combo because of the crowd, and I said, just stay in the moment, just soak it up. Even if he beats you, even if the tension, just love it all. I committed my life to to this, you know. To all of this, all the heartbreak and all the winning and all this crap, it's, uh, you know, I've hated lots of it, but I just savor this and this is the best one in my life. I want to talk to you about just the spiritual connection. I want to stay on this with you, Kelly, with Pipeline, a wave that you've committed to so much of your life and Pipeline served you up those waves. Yeah. I mean, we had to go out there and still surf the heat and <clears throat> be in the moment. Hold on. That was it. Yeah. I, you know, we had to still be in the moment and surf the heat and, you know, figure out who's setting pace and, and how that pace was going to go and then who's going who's gonna to lead or catch up and, you know, all that stuff just... It didn't really matter. It was just because Seth and I said before the heat, let's just go. Let's see. He said, come on, push me. And I said, all right. That's what we want, and that's what the crowd wants, and that's why we come surf pipeline. You know, you don't want some tactical battle. I felt weird about the Miguel heat earlier, although, you know, I felt like I was in the right spot for that wave. Um, I don't like winning like that. You know, everyone, especially a pipeline when it's good, you want to have a battle with the other guy and back and forth. And I even started thinking, I'm like, I got my two, you know, I got one hand on this trophy, but what if Seth went bang, bang? It would just be such a great win for him, you know? And uh, that's that's why things are so great in sport because that heartbreak and and all that. So when he when he got that left and I heard the crowd go nuts, I'm like, he probably got a 9.5 and he only needs like an 8, a 7.5 and he'll get me, you know? So I, I really felt he was in the heat with me. I, I didn't for a second think I had it, you know? But uh, I, I, I'm just in disbelief right now. I want to talk about the numbers. A nine point ride, a 9.77, 18.77, Two-wave heat total, nearly a perfect heat, Kelly. Yeah, that last ride I got, I fell out of the sky. I was a little, I got stuck up on the lip, and I, and when I bottom turned, I'm like, oh, that lip's going to clip my head. But you know what? That's exciting, too. Let's do it. And I just barely skimmed. I, if I didn't shave my hair this morning, which was like a, a half a millimeter, it would have taken me out. But uh, I don't even know how to explain those moments, you know? It's like some, it's like so spiritual for me. Well, I'm going to let you soak up the moment. Your eight-time champ, Kelly Slater, yet another win at Pipeline. 30 years in between these. This is a sport miracle. At number five, Seth Moan is the fresh prince of Aloha, the heir to the Pipeline throne. He put Prince John John to the sword in their quarterfinal duel, went all the way to the final against Uncle Kelly. Uh, man, what did you make of his performance, Vaughn? 
Oh, well, my takeaway was just future pipe master or Billabong Pro Pipeline champion. Lock it away. It's a sure thing. It's a, it's all on show with Seth, isn't it? The pedigree, the experience, the Hawaiian minerals, every wave he caught had you just choking on avocado seeds. Uh, just purely for the the guts and the lightness and it's, it's everything was on a knife edge with Seth in this comp. And he, he just really delivered... Uh, one of the new breed of pipe surfers, obviously, who along with Baron and John John and, and Nathan Florence is going to change the game and the way they surf out there. And uh, I just love how humble and just princely he is. He's like, he is the prince, the new prince of the North Shore. And, you know, the Mo- Moniz family, uh, they're just so highly regarded. Everyone absolutely loves them. Um, Josh has already won a comp out there. So Seth's got that little bit of extra motivation as well. But... I think that under-the-lip takeoff that he did in, uh, I think it was the John John Heat, probably one of the heaviest, most critical balls-to-the-wall things I've ever seen at Backdoor. I mean, that was uh, just another level. And I only thought that that line and that positioning was possible on your backhand, where you can kind of like lean on the heel, get the butt in position and slow down straight away using your body. But I've never seen it done like that, that critical, that late, and that under the, the, the uh, just the knife edge mm. that, that Seth did. That was a new line for me, and I was blown away by him. Yeah, got a 9.6. And John John in particular has turned that backdoor side-slipping under the ledge knifing into an art form. And it's like Seth takes everything John does and adds a kind of bulldogishness to it. A, a bit, he's a bit more uh, bit more aggressive, a bit more rough around the edges. But fuck, he gets it done. I mean, that thing was so mind-melting. Mm. Just the balance and that deep feel, that deep connection to the board to manage uh, the sliding rail is unbelievable. On your toe side, it's it's like a no-win situation nine times out of ten. I mean, if you and I are doing this at like our local beachy, it's it's head for the sand, mate. Head for the sand. You're about to get rinsed. Um, I've got to say, Smithy, and this is uh, going on a little bit of a tangent, but the judging was fucking ridiculous over there. Like, it was so bad. And not so much in getting the right result. That was fine. But what is going on with these guys? They've just tightened the purse strings so hard. They've put all the tens in a giant glass pig, hung it from the ceiling, and I think the only way you can get a ten is to actually murder or kill your opponent a la Squid Games. Uh, I just don't know why they're so stingy. I mean, it's robbing pro-surfing fans of these fucking pinnacle moments like what more could Seth do on that wave to get a 10 like I really don't understand it was fucking ma- massive he had to swing late the skill needed to actually get that rail engaged while he's falling is just so mind-boggling I, I think the w- judges man that if, if all the 10s are in their wallet they open it up and it's just a bunch of moths fly out it's just dry, <laughs> it's dry it up man like and think about it the, the contest was the greatest heaviest most demanding event we've ever seen Anything less than a full send got fucking punished. Like, you were getting nothing for the effort. You were getting absolutely nothing. I reckon there was five waves in that comp that were tens every day of the week. And I really think that uh, Geordie must just be lying in bed at night going, well, what the fuck have I got to do to get a 10-point ride these days? Because that was the white wave of a lifetime. And in any pipe masters in the history of the comp, you put that up against any other 10 and it will stand up and be timeless. 
So, yeah, I think the judges, they're getting the results right. Uh, I, I don't want to be too critical of, like, you know, that side of things. But, man, this is a spectacle. Like, Kelly's paddling out there to put on a show, you know, and he's, when him and Seth are talking about let's send it, they're not just sending it for themselves and their own ambition. They're sending it because they know that fucking pro surfing is sitting there ready, waiting, all the eyeballs are there. I just can't believe that we're not getting that fucking money shot where we get to all just go, yes! Because, like, when you see a 10, you got to shake your head and start tearing up, don't you? Yeah, it's a tough one because years ago, you know, I was leading that charge, making that call of the fact that they're handing out 10s willy-nilly and it's actually ruining the surfing spectacle. I can remember Parker at Kramas in particular just threading what were him, what f- were for him pretty regulation mm. chambers and, you know, not even completing N-section manoeuvres and still getting a, a perfect heat score, a perfect 20, mm. in which case, you know, it just ruins the spectacle. There's no way to come back uh, and, and beat him at that point. It's somewhere like backdoor and pipe. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's hard to imagine a wave more technical, more critical than Seth's backdoor chamber. You know, he's essentially finless and sliding down the face of a 12-foot wave with fucking huge devil wind chops in it and comes out, spat out, standing tall, just as wild of a wave as you can ever hope to see. Geordie Smith, same deal, standing tall. Mm. Mate, that one against John John was the thickest, angriest thing I've seen since that Freddie P wipeout in the Vulcan Pipe Pro years ago. It was so gnarly. Like, anything other than perfection would result in injury or death out there on a wave like that. And it just didn't get... It just... I don't know why. Why aren't the judges throwing out a 10 when it fucking demands it, man? Like, that was demanding. Even the GOAT in the final could have finished with a 10 for that one where he just... It under that lip. I just don't know how you can surf waves better than that. Yeah, I guess it's from their point of view, it must be because the perfect 10, it's it's more of a token gesture in a lot of ways. Like it's a symbolic doff of the cap to a, a moment that you didn't think possible in professional surfing. You know, it, 10s are generally given out when you just, your head explodes. You're like, fuck, what the fuck just happened then? I can't believe you made that. But that token gesture can also prove very tricky when trying to decide a winner if someone does something that's better than the 10. And in, in conditions like that, you know, who is a judge to predict what Mother Nature's capable of and what man is capable of? And I guess that's why they don't give them out. Uh, yeah, that's a good call too. But but not giving a 10 because you're scared is fucking lame in my book. Like scared of like not getting it up. Look. I do understand that that mathematical equation has played out once before, once in pretty heavy waves, and it, it backfired pretty spectacularly. But the 10-point rides in that event were just screaming for 10s. They weren't these sort of like on-the-cusp ones. For me, it was, uh, it, it was, a, it was a letdown for, for fans. I just think when, it, when it's that screamingly obvious, you've just got to give it. That's my take on it. When you look at other sports like gymnastics, I'm pretty sure there was one ten. There's been one ten ever given out, and that was to Nadia Comaneci uh, in some fucking Olympics. She was probably juiced to the gills on human growth hormone. But <laughs> let's not go there. But uh, I mean, so well, I guess I, that that's the theory, right? Mm. The, uh, synchronized swimming, like uh, a lot of these sports that hang on the opinion of judges, tens are just. They're just not a thing that's given out. Whereas surfing, we've come of age knowing 10s, seeing 10s doled out generously. So 
today, uh, we're expecting these waves to get tens because they're clearly tens by the metric of every other year. Mm. They're fucking twelves. Mm. Um, you know, and and, and it, I guess by keeping that scale low. Yeah, the stinginess of the judges is pretty wild. In those opening heats, I think uh, Owen in particular, I think he got a seven for this, like, you know, pretty crazy pipe drop and then this, like, crazy end section, bonus section through gums. And I was just like, seven? I think it was a fucking, <laughs> at least an eight. Open your wallet. Yeah. Open your wallet and give us a ten. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they're keeping I, the scale low just to. Just, I know it's a token, to, but it's, it's a wave like pipes, maybe. It's just, it's so obvious when one goes down and it's not, it's not that fearful for me to throw one out. Like, I just think, fuck. Well, you're setting a limit. What more can you do? Like, all those other those other sports with judges uh, that, are, that are done, you know, determined by a panel and stuff, they're not risking their lives most of the time, other than maybe Red Bull freediving. I, I really don't know what sport is, like, saying to the competitors, well, this next wave ca- could kill you. Like, you could, if you fuck it up by even just – the hair on your chinny chin chin, you could end up fucking getting properly hurt. And I don't know. I just thought I'm just going to say Seth, Jaus Yanka, Geordie Smith, and the goat should have all probably packed hands in that comp. And the comp deserved it as well. It was the greatest comp we've ever seen. Don't know. I feel like we we just missed out on an opportunity there to really hang our hats on a couple of really spectacular rides. Yeah, I don't see any problem with dropping him in the final. I mean, Slater's 9-7 at the end there. Surely that's a 10, just for the sheer token, tokenistic value of it. The heat's about to end. He's pretty much got Seth uh, comboed. Throw it at him. I mean, I get why they don't because it just puts a ceiling. There's a there's a limit. They're, they're setting a limit on what's possible. And I don't know if any judge is ever going to feel confident doing that. You know, when you think about it like that. Every one of those surfers has to surf without fear. I just think the judges should respect that by judging without fear. I just don't like the idea of holding think, back. I don't think it's a question of fear. I think it's just a question of like not having the... But it has to be fear, doesn't it? If, you, no, if you're no. scared that someone else is going to get a better wave and you've put yourself in a corner, like what, what else would it be? Just logic. I think it's just not... Yeah, it's logic. It's logic based on not having the arrogance to predict what's possible in nature. Like what if, what if a 15-footer comes through and something crazy happens in the 10? Like you're essentially saying you know what perfection is. <laughs> oh, and, and that will we, never we, be, we could go down a rabbit hole never be topped we're, we're entering the realm of uh, Jordan Peterson versus Sam Harris discussing <laughs> the definition of truth the definition of perfection uh, anyway uh, interesting just to note quickly with Seth uh, he, had, he had the goat in his corner definitely in the semi uh, the goat said to him don't get too greedy just get out of those barrels this was in the semi against Kaio Abelli um, so interesting that you know, having Slater in your corner, pushing you into the final, like they just wanted that that homely, down country, North Shore kind of dynasty feel in the mm. final. Um, it's super interesting. I just thought that was so classic. And, yeah, it's just such a – surfing is such a bizarre sport. It, it straddles this line of, like, hyper-professionalism. Uh, but then these, like, deep family cottage surf industry times are still ever-present in the likes of Slater. Mm. Uh, you know, getting this kid through who he's fucking known since he was in nappies and he wants him in the final. So cool. So it, classic. It was – there was – yeah. It makes it a lot more special for Kelly to have someone share that moment with him. And, and Seth would – 
oh, fuck, I couldn't believe how good his post-lead interview was, man. He was just so humble and so stoked. And, I mean, that would have been heartbreaking and disappointing for him too, you know, because he's out there, everyone who loves him, his entire family, like people would have travelled from Honolulu and everywhere from all over the island to see this magical moment play out. And in the end, he was the first person to stand up and, you know, Doff the cap to the great goat. Not only doff the cap, cheering him up the beach. How remarkable was what that? A Lord. Wasn't that just emotional? It was what a Lord. such an extreme, extreme situation. And it just called for something like that. And Seth, you know, he just felt it. The kid is just living with pure heart and a low heart. And just he just knew exactly what to do in that moment. Just fucking cheered his uncle up. You were the man, carried him up. Slater just bawling his eyes out. Not a dry eye on the beach. What a fucking moment it was. Uh, let's hear a bit from Seth and Slater discussing Slater's 977 and just the heat in general straight after the heat. I'm so glad I got a score at least. I was going to be rattled about it. Yeah. What'd you get in there? I only saw you coming out and like, oh my God, that looked nuts. That way that was. So I was like, oh. My one, I barely, barely got to my feet and I free fell and tried to stick the t- toes in. Oh, And the lip went like, luckily the lip kind of puffed and it was super thick, but like that part went and just didn't kill me. I thought it was gonna break my neck. I was like, oh, I'm done, but I gotta try. And it just let me in, and then I got pretty deep, and it just blew me out. Was, yeah, what did you get on that? Nine seven. Nine seven? Yeah. Oh that. shit! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I needed another nine. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's, let's do this. Let's do it. <laughs> Number four, Moana Jones-Wong wins the Pipe Masters as a wild card on her world tour debut. The first to do so since Tyler Wright won the Lane Beach Classic at Manly as a 14-year-old. She's the first wild card to win a CT women's event in 12 years. J.O.B. calls her the best female at Pipeline in the world. She's got a quirky, almost brittle style at times, but uh, fuck, she's got the read on that joint like no other woman on the planet, Vaughn. Mm, yeah, it was pretty much Moana first, daylight second, right from the early heats. You could just see her knowledge of that lineup gave her this, I would almost say unfair advantage, except for the fact that she's out there putting in the time, and so she deserves that advantage. It's not unfair at all. Uh, I thought her performance on the finals day when the surf picked up and it was uh, it was still challenging, man. Not quite perfect pipeline at all, but she found the waves that gave her the pocket that she needed. I just thought that she, watching her paddle in and just glide down the face, sort of chip shot every wave that she got, double arm stall into the pit. She just looked like she had it, you know, had the read, had the read that you needed to win. In general, Smithy, I thought the women did a wonderful job over there. Uh, you know, they weren't thrown out in the most uh, critical or, or treacherous conditions, but uh, there was a duty of care by the WSL to respect the fact that, you know, they hadn't put in much time there over the years. They hadn't had the opportunity to surf there over the years. So for me, you know, like getting to know the place a little bit, all of that was fine. I think in the finals day, the four surfers who were left – Tyler in particular, she did great. She packed a huge one, which I was frothing on for a, a mid-range eight, losing out to Moana in the end because there was no backup. But she said post-heat in a really good interview with Laura Enova, you know, like, give us a couple of years. Give us a couple of years. We'll, we'll have pipe specialists in this field in a couple of years. And they crossed back to Kelly 
in the commentary box. And he's like, I'm going to push back on that because, you know, you don't need to be surfing in comps and have this lineup to yourself to learn how to surf it. You, you can just paddle out on any fucking day. And even if you're not getting waves, you're getting experience, you watch what's happening. He was saying he surfs out there a lot just to see what the best guys are doing, where they're taking off, what their positioning is, where they read. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Now that the opportunity exists, it's back on the women to spend the time at Pipeline getting familiar with it. Look at uh, Kieran Perro as an example, right? He didn't win the Pipe Masters by never surfing pipe and getting there on the day and, and being a good tube rider. He won the Pipe Masters because he spent 10 years spending three months in Hawaii pulling into closeout at, at off the wall, you know, like learning how to feel that ocean juice and learning how to understand the way that the, the water moves on that stretch of sand and reef. Jack Robbo is another perfect example, mate. When he was like 12 years old, he was going over to Hawaii, spending the entire season there, surfing backdoor when it was one foot and having the hell time, but still paddling out when it was 12 foot, not catching a wave, just this tiny little imp out in the lineup with this shock of blonde hair, but feeling the energy, watching everything that was going on. And I mean, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? It's in, the proof's in the pudding. That's the kind of commitment that's needed to make the next big step. I think we saw really, really strong surfing, a lot of guts. Um, say what you will about the day they surfed or didn't surf, you know, the, the men's final. I thought it was just way too dangerous and, and too hectic. Um, not on based on any other reason than it was just, you know, probably what they wanted. Uh, I, personally, if they paddled out, it would have been cool, but, you know, I just don't think they wanted it. And... Um, yeah, I just think that it's on the women now to get over there and start doing what Crosby Colapinto has been doing for the last couple of years. Put in the time and look what happens. He's come from nowhere, this grommet from California, to beat John John in the in the Triple Crown at the pipe, you know, the overall pipe season. So that's what it's going to take. And if they don't do that, Moana Jones is probably going to win six Billabong Pipe Pros in a row. That's a great insight, and it's very true. I mean, they need only look back to Jody Cooper, the uh, the mad Albanian who put in like years and years of toil at backdoor and off the wall at a time when you know Hawaiian locals were beating up women in mm. the lineup, um, and you know, she's the most winningest Australian of all time in Hawaii as a result of that. Uh, you know, not at pipe and backdoor because the women didn't have an event there, but at sunset, so it all counts towards something. It's never wasted time. So, yeah, I, I totally back what the GOAT's saying there. And, I mean, Moana Wong for sure has not had it all her own way out there. She's not just getting called into wave after wave out there. Uh, you know, she's having to jostle with hordes of fucking feverish pros from all over the world. And, I mean, if one of them paddles around her or snakes her or paddles under her and gets one, there's not, no one's waiting in to punch that dude out. Like, Mm-mm. that's just happening to her time and time again. So I think the idea that it's just a cakewalk for her out there, I think that's a fallacy. I think she's had to put in time, and she just loves it. Um, on that, women who love it, love packing it, uh, Tyler Wright, her technique at backdoor is second to none. Mm. Uh, the way she gives herself all that time under the ledge, enough to you know even get a little wiggle and pump in before setting her line, that just reeks of someone who loves getting tubed. And uh, I think for me, she's hands down the best female tube rider in the world. I was disappointed to see her 
go down against Moana Wong. I think Moana got got the rub in in two heats in can, uh, in succession there against Isabella Nichols and against Tyler. Um, you know, both of whom had high scoring rides at backdoor, just couldn't find a decent backup, mm. and Moana snuck through with a couple of you know steep and late kind of pocket rides. She wasn't necessarily getting the deepest pits, but she just went left after left. And I thought there was a golden opportunity for an Aussie to knock her. But, uh, yeah, just couldn't come up with the backup. I know, mate. And uh, it was just – that's that's it. That's it. Isabella Nichols, mate, that one she got in that heat was so sick. Molly Picklam got a sick one as well right on the uh, – you know, towards the end of her heat. There were some sick performances, man. We should be celebrating this uh, women's Billabong Pro, I think, because – uh, it was the first one, and uh, we didn't know what we were in for. I thought there were so many performances that were really great. I, but the two best surfers on that reef, the two best female surfers made the final. Chris Moore, you know, the, the backdoor clips that she dropped in that triple uh, Vans Digital Triple Crown, go and have a look at them, Smithy. They're, they're deep, they're treacherous, they're like really, really just muscled, muscled tube rides. And I think that, you know... It's just a good wake-up call. Like, I mean, it's been well-known for generations that if you want to surf pipe and you want to do well out there, you've got to put in the time, Smithy. I mean, uh, the Sand Hill Warrior, he might get you fit, he might give you some abs, but he ain't getting you coned at the Pipolina. <laughs> yeah, I think Italo Ferreira actually learned that lesson again for, you know, Fuck, I think that really was a mistake. He, he seemed, we'll get to the Brazilians in a second, but he seemed to show up looking underdone after doing a thousand leg presses back in Brazil. <laughs> but just back to the women quickly, it was fucking big on that final day. It was, you know, eight foot plus heavy. Uh, it, it did end up copping a bit of that sideshore blast and getting a bit devil windish uh, towards the end. The final was a bit anticlimactic. I don't know what Carissa's plan was there, but she all of a sudden just opted to go left and mm. uh, and chase pipe pits. I don't know. I couldn't see on the broadcast whether it had turned off at backdoor, but as soon as it went to the left, she was never winning that heat. No. Um, she could only ever win it. Any of those natural footers for that matter could only really win it going right at backdoor. I don't reckon- know what the plan was. Mate, I honestly reckon it might be one of the first times in her entire career where the majority of people on the beach were going for someone else. And and not that she's not professional enough to deal with that, but at home in Hawaii where she's got like, you know, a 16-story building with her mural on it, like a big painting of her head in Honolulu, it, it would have to get under your skin at some point in that heat because every time Moana caught a wave, it just was – absolute pandemonium on the beach. It was all about the North Shore. And, um, yeah, I don't know if that really played into Carissa's tactics, but I think towards the halfway and towards the end of the heat where Moana got on the on the treadmill and just kept finding these nice little lefts, it, that noise must have just somehow invaded Carissa's strategy and, and clear thinking. At number three, born the Aussies. Jeez, it was a wild ride at Pipe for the Aussie contingent. Uh, let's start with the forlorn tale of Liam O'Brien, Lobby, who broke his leg at Backdoor the morning of the event. Uh, we just actually got a message from him. We'll hear from it now. Yes, Mivy, I'm good, thank you. Hope you're well. Um, with the injury, I pretty much ended up fracturing my fibula at Pipe uh, on the morning of the first day as well as a few ligament injuries, uh, tore my deltoid and sustained a syndesmosis injury, um, which I don't know a whole lot about, but it's it's like a, essentially like a, the joint between your ankle and 
leg and it's um i think it yeah tore or something and the bones got a bit splayed so um yeah kind of got pretty busted up out there but nothing uh nothing too major um in terms of what ha what has happened out there in the past so it's all pretty straightforward i just gotta rest up for a little while um yeah i wish i could say i did it <laughs> on, a, on a big wave but i actually just did it on a little insider i was kind of trying to have a warm-up surf before that first heat and um i couldn't catch shit i was just getting hassled and i just decided to take a little inside wave and head on in and um yeah i pulled in and then toward the end of the wave just before i was i felt like i was coming out it um kind of breathed and then clamped and then um as it did so my back foot got flipped over and all my weight as it clamped got pushed down onto it um kind of like a bit of a rolled ankle or something like that but a more extreme version and yeah I, I felt uh felt the bone crack and kind of heard a few crunching sounds so I knew it wasn't too good um and then yeah I just popped up swam into the shore and and then I got or paddled in actually and then I got to the shore and um yeah I couldn't stand on it it was just like it was pretty numb still but it was just so painful um so yeah I kind of knew I was pretty much done then um but yeah luckily there was a really some really good people on the beach um the guy that checked me out the the event doctor is actually the surgeon that ended up operating on my leg so although the timing was a bit fucked <laughs> it was um it was pretty lucky that I did it at the event and um you know had the best medical response possible um but yeah pretty much what happened is I got a plate and some screws installed um as well as a thing called a tightrope which sort of just brings the bones back together um after that syndesmosis injury and yeah that's about it I'm in a cast now still stuck in Hawaii just sort of sort of cruising it's not as fun here when you can't surf but um no nah, it's all good definitely worse places to be stuck um, but yeah, the plan's just to get home as soon as I can. And I think I'll be able to start rehabilitating my leg and ankle pretty soon, which is, um, which is a positive. Um, but yeah, I mean, all told, it'll probably be about four months before I can kind of compete properly again. And then a year or two before I get the plates out of my leg. Um, but yeah, other than that, all's good. Um, I'll definitely apply for an, an injury wildcard for next year, but I've, I've no idea <laughs> whether or not I'll get one with how many guys have been injured and the caliber of guys that are out at the moment, you know, guys like Gabby and Yago, I'm sure they'll um, take precedence when it comes to injury wild cards, but I'll, I'll definitely throw my name in the hat, uh, sorry, my hat in the ring. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be stoked if I can just get back for the bulk of the Challenger series and, and just give that another go. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much the story. Um, I hope everyone's well and see you later. Oh, the heart bleeds. Mate, a little piece of Australia broken off, drifting out in the ocean, full of tears for Lobby. Can't believe just the, how unfortunate it is the morning of the comp. And as always, Smivy, one of those shitty little insiders that you're forced to go because every other cunt is just, you know, truffle pigging around with their snouts in the pipeline up trying to take every fucking wolf of anything that they can get their hands on. And one of the great hopes for us on this year's CT, copping just one of those annoying injuries on a shit wave. 
Yeah, it's such an interesting one. What kind of strategy you'd take in there as a rookie or even as an Australian on a day like that? It's maxing pipeline. You know, as big and heavy as it gets, you want to get your feet in the wax. You want to get a warm-up wave. But at the same time, you know, maybe you should be wrapping yourself in cotton wool. Maybe you should be thinking, fuck, you know, the chances are it's busy out there. I'm going to go a wave. I don't want to go and I might get injured, like exactly what happened to Lobby. Or you can wait until you've got one other bloke or two other blokes in the lineup, and at least you're on a good one. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's fucking so hard. Of course, you, they, they all, they're all out there getting warm-up waves because you just, you just have to get your feet in the wax on a day like that. But, yeah, you just wonder, um, you know, is it the, is it the, the wisest option? Fuck. I don't know. And like it's the hard. weirdest thing is, is, is Lobby was having a hell of a season. Geez, some of the free surfing cliffs he dropped from big days at Pipe were amazing, man. There, there was one in particular where he just does a super late bottom turn, a little bit slater ish from the final, you know, that big one, like a really late full body swing where he's just extendoid all the way out. Gets his fro that's tucked inside his gaff through the cone zone, spat out into the channel. It was just like, you know, it, these were the guys that we were looking forward to seeing. Um, Parko's nose, he might not know as much about Kelly, but he knows a lot about these rookies. He picked that they were going to charge, and, mate, they did not let us down. The Aussie guys who got in there, fuck, I was proud of them, eh? Like, I mean, it's a weird thing to say because, you know, I'm looking at these young Groms who – you know, they haven't had the fanfare that so many generations of Aussie QS warriors have had coming through. Um, but they've done it off their own backs. They've done it with community sport. They get over there to Hawaii. It's the day of days, you know, just warping giant conequence and fucking packed it, mate. Cal Robson, Conor O'Leary, zebra. <laughs> and Jack O'Baker wrestled one that was just outrageous. I mean, it was just gung-ho from... From start to finish, he, he basically was doing um, a 60-foot floater on the shockwave towards the end of that thing, and he ends up just going up and over, and it was just awesome, man. You know, a bee's dick from a fucking 10, if they throw out 10s, which they don't. So maybe a bee's dick from a 9.9. Remarkable to see him showing up on the North Shore, you know, just carrying stockings full of coins from the chook raffle at the local <laughs> Rissole. Oh, it was a gritty performance. But, yeah, just that opening day, as courageous and incredible as it gets, mate, I was so proud to watch and as an Australian surfer, watching him send it in that fashion. I mean, these are waves of a size and magnitude that you just do not get mm. on this continent. You know, maybe these guys have surfed waves of that size and uh, orbular nature a fucking couple of times in their lives in this country. It just doesn't happen. You know, there's the, the rare opportunity, uh, maybe at fucking tombstones, uh, at a certain bommy on the south coast. You know, there's a, a couple of waves, but they're not doing that very regularly. And so to see these guys pack it, in waves that would have just been so foreign to them. Mm-hmm. You know, knifing drops on waves that are 10 to 12 foot plus and standing in that kind of uh, a tube that you could drive a fucking car through. I was just going, how are these guys doing it? It's such a foreign playing field. It's so bizarre. Only surfing seems to be able to offer that up where all of a sudden you're in a situation that you've just never been in before. Mm. In, in waves that you've never been in before, really. Yeah, I I, I- can't talk it up enough, Smithy. I'm with you, mate. Like, I had goosebumps watching those guys just fly down the face, you know. Like, at times it looked like they were hanging on by the skin of their teeth because getting out there, it's one thing when you're trying to battle everyone to just scrap an insider. It's another thing when you've got, 
you know, a 12 foot set marching onto the first reef. It's your priority. And there's no choice. I mean, they, they, literally, these guys had no choice. But they had the gumption to swing it and just send it over the edge. And there was a few bottom turns there where it just honestly looked like, I don't know, it looked like you were hanging on to a fucking comet. That's what it looked like. Just, you know, face peeling back off the skull, eyeballs just wider than they've ever been in their lives, you know, and just fucking packing those cones. Oh, the pride, Smithy. Aussie pride, battler pride, doing it again. Here they come. Yeah, and, and bar Jack Robinson, they're all from the East Coast. So, you know, this is generally like a, a pretty small to medium wave kind of zone. You, you know, you got a couple of days a year where it's over eight foot and holding mm. uh, on any given slab. Fucking remarkable. Uh, I mean, I guess the other point is the difference between guys who have experience at pipe and guys who don't was very obvious just mm. in, in the, the wave reads that they were coming up with. You know, your Callum Robins, Robinsons, uh, your, your Jacko Bakers, even your, your Jao Chankers and Kiowa Bellies, they were just coming up with these really uh, unconventional kind of pipe rides that were so fucking harrowing mm. into the sheer audacity of them. The Kiowa Belly had the this fucking elevator, like two-story elevator drop where he packs this tube almost going uphill. Just <laughs> some bizarre fucking rides. Oh, man, uh, Jacko Baker, like was... Callum, like, you know, even Connor's kind of that, that crazy one where he nearly gets guillotined in the head and just standing tall through this huge pit. Like, you know, it kind of looked like voodoo, like on its, like three times the size on its biggest day ever. Mm. It was fucking huge. Yeah, it was yeah, like a horror remarkable. movie at times. Yeah, it was just, it was. I was just like sitting there just waiting for the big jump scare. And, uh, oh, they just, yeah, I don't know. I, all I can say is that well done. Well done to the rookies. They, they absolutely served it up. And uh, I just think that, you know, the cool thing is they're all heading to a wave that they love now. So they've gone from a wave where they have no experience, where they've just been forced out to surf perfect but terrifying shit. And now they're all going to sunset where if you look at the body shapes and the sorts of ways where these guys all got results on the Challenger Series and a wave where they surf all the time because it's actually a bit easier to get set waves and get a bit of a feel for the reef, Sunset Beach is coming. Callum Robson, Connor O'Leary, you know, these big bodies. Jack O'Baker, Morg's had a shocker at pipe, but he'll be looking at sunset where he's, he's had a massive clutch performance to qualify. This could be, you know... The next event could be where the rookies really stand up, not just with guts, but with glory. A few standouts from the Pike Comp. Got to mention Jack Robinson putting up the second highest combined total of the event in round one to beat the GOAT. That uh, 9-5 for that giant pipe chamber that kind of feathered and blew out at the same time was so fucking unlikely and bizarre. Uh, you just couldn't help but scream as he came flying out of it like Batman. Um, <laughs> and licking just, the back of his head like a horny Labrador, mate. He just slobbered all over him. Blah! It was, yeah, it was just the, the feather and the blowout at the same time and then this like, little figure just flying out of it, hair and hands flailing. <laughs> radical <laughs> surfing, wasn't it's it? It's just the best thing to watch out there. Isn't uh, and, and at the start of it, you know, just pumping through it, no hands, that crazy low centre of gravity, just but fucking up and down like an accordion, fully extending in the bowels of a 10-foot pipe nug. Fuck, it is just wild technique and gumption in a critical situation. They've got it nailed. Jack, uh, Jack Robbo, 
John, Florence, Seth Moniz, Barron and Mia, that backside, no hands, tube riding approach that they've got out there is just such a fucking marvel. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an absolute marvel. And uh, I don't know what to say about that other Smithy than um, you just can't get enough of it. When he gets knocked out of a comp, you, you're kind of less bummed for him than you are for yourself being robbed of the opportunity to see him surf more heats. Because every single heat, he's doing shit that you just – you just your head spins like your head is spinning like a top, spinning like a top, spinning like a top. I tell you, woo! woo! Unfortunate, uh, just to see Connor and Jack kind of getting dudded in those smaller early morning heats. Oh, that was the, the swell only kicks. little fucking. It was the only little tiny bit of shit, didn't it? Because like those guys would have seen the forecast. You know that Jack Robbo had one eye on the Arvo heat. Didn't even think about that one and. I think that maybe when you're surfing those heats, it must be so hard to me when you're a, a maniac to just keep the focus on getting through that one. Just mm. making sure you don't make any silly little mistakes or don't let him get the bomb. Like a guy of his experience at Pipeline should be able to craft a heat better than that. But, yeah, that was the only little little part of the whole comp that was a bit frustrating. Yeah, they become wave-catching contests, don't they? Uh, you know, you don't really tend to get equal opportunity in those four- to six-foot pipe Backdoor conditions. Uh, we saw Connor just struggling to find a good backup wave. Kind of got pinched on one that made, like, you know, just a small, annoying pipe wave. It was such a shame to see him get dudded. Uh, but, you know, went down to Miguel Pupo, who then went on to put on one of the shows of the event. Um, just a quick doff of the cap as well to Isabella Nichols for her breakthrough pipe performance. Uh, skits backdoor chamber in the quarters, as mentioned, but also of note, took down a big chunk of the Hawaiian storm single-handedly in Luana Silva from the north shore of Oahu. Betty Lou Johnson also from Oahu uh, before succumbing to Moana Wong also from Oahu. So she fucking, mate, she was busting down the door, relived out there. <laughs> Female uh, version of it, 2.0, but yeah, just on a fucking warpath of the Hawaiians. Um, and yeah, got really unlucky against Moana, as we mentioned, just, uh, yeah. You know, couldn't find a backup to that high seven she had. Mm. Yeah, I was really impressed with Isabella, really impressed with Molly. I, I knew that she would come to the party uh, if the back door was clean and open up. And uh, both those women, I just, it's great to see them sort of step out of the shadow of these, you know, long standing dominatrixes, the, uh, the Steph and the Tylers. And uh, yeah, good little generation shifts coming. So Pontus Smithy and uh, Isabella has, you know, experience under her belt now. So uh, that's going to feel so good for her moving into the rest of the year. At number two, the Brazilian Storm. For mine, the heroes of this this event were the Brazilians, Vaughn. Unheralded, unheard of rookies like Jao Chianca and Semi Pupo. Unsponsored, seasoned grinders like Caio Abelli. Uh, uncelebrated, stylish tour veterans like Miguel Pupo. Putting on an absolute clinic of courage, of grit, of succeeding when, you know, really they had no right to. Someone like Semi Pupo had no right to be in the quarters at Pipe uh, running conditions like that. No right, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a rookie with almost no prior results or even waves at Pipeline, and he survives right to the bitter end in one of the heaviest pipe comps ever. And, uh, you know, that's the rub, Vaughn. That's why I love Brazilian World Tour surfing, because these cunts grit their teeth. They're in each other's corner, revving each other up, and they just fucking surprise you time and time again. They just get it done. A remarkable performance by the Brazilians. Yeah, incredible. And that turns the screws so hard for the mid-year cutoff because uh, those rookies getting deep into the draw is is pretty impressive. I think uh, Kaio, you know, like 
<laughs> it's so classic that he took Gabriel Medina's spot uh, on this year's tour and he's just instantly made it count. So I think uh, Medina, a bit of Medina juice getting into the loins there of uh, Kyle Belly. But I was really impressed. And, and Jao Shianka, mate, we just, fuck, you got to doff, doff, doff away for this guy. Uh, we knew he would bring it to pipe. He's an absolute wild unit. He's got full-blown game there. But even with that knowledge in the back pocket, I thought his heat against John John had one of the best waves ever. Almost like rookie of the year contender, even if he doesn't win another heat. Like, it was just that good. It was so aggro, and he just packed it. And, um, yeah, I just think uh, I'm with you. I just loved what the Brazilians brought. And as I said uh, last episode, mate, I just loved the colour, the community, you know, the personalities. And, and with each new generation of Brazilians who come on tour, we end up getting these... This, this new uh, explosion of colour and enjoyment and, and love for the game. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked on, on how the Brazilians performed over there too. Yeah, you could see, uh, you know, you had the Caio, uh, Caio and, and Miguel Slater heats kind of overlapping. You could see right at the end there was a tense moment where uh, Miguel didn't know whether Slater had got the wave and Caio's out there coaching Miguel. You know, these two guys, I don't know how close they are as friends or whatever, but they're just always in each other's corners, mm. the Brazilians. I really love that about them. Jao Chianka, I mean, he's the little brother of Luca Chianka, one of the fucking biggest and most tech maniacs in the big wave game. Uh, and his read at Pipeline and at Backdoor was the only thing we knew about him coming into this event, that he could fucking pack it and ride tubes. And I just love the way he went at John. You know, aggressive, paddling, uh, paddling him around the reef, fucking going on wave after wave, big, frothy, fucked up looking things, <laughs> big, perfect things. Mad. His read on the joint was, you know, very much beneath that of the Hawaiians or, or Slater or guys who'd spent heaps of time out there. He was just swinging at the bleachers. It was a fucking iconic performance. Shout out to Jao Chunky. Mm-hmm. Put on an absolute belter. Number one, Vaughn, the rookies and wild cards. Just a quick uh, a quick just run of how they've all f- performed. Imai DeVault, the much-hyped Hawaiian, terrible at pipe. Had a shocker uh, where you'd expect him to do well. So I don't know how that bodes for his season. He had a combined total of 1.5 in his first heat and uh, a combined total of 11 in round two where he's eliminated. Not much better for Californian Jake Marshall eliminated by the GOAT in round three. Um, he uh, he was quite the same. You know, he's just grateful to be on tour. And I think that smacks of the wrong attitude, you know, which mm. a lot of rookies can fall into. Gratitude, it's important, obviously, but you can't be happy just to be there. Uh, you got to be, you, you know, you can't be afraid to tread on toes, piss people off, and attack the throaty heroes. Mm-hmm. It's fucking dog eat dog at that top end, and the big dogs know it, and they'll use it against the rookies. You got to come out swinging, Vaughn. Agreed. Uh, Carlos Munoz, the Costa Rican, performed well before dislocating his shoulder, just having a sniff at one. <laughs> uh, on the big day in the round of thirty-two, did you catch that, Vaughn? I actually missed it. I saw. Um, actually. I th- yeah, no, I, I missed it completely. I saw uh, some Im- images of him coming up the beach. I thought, wow, he must have got hammered because he spent so much time in that lineup. You know, he's not a guy who pulls back, but it was ironically pulling back is the way he yeah, dislocated his shoulder. Paddle out it hard and just a, a weird little jolty kind of uh, you know look down the line uh, and pull back and those dislocated his shoulder shoulders, mate, far out. All the surfers I've ever known who have them have them for a long time. They pop out at the worst possible times. Generally, you need surgery to fix something like that, but is he going to risk it because it's a big injury to come back from? 
big surgery to come back from. So hopefully it's not as bad as we think and not one of those ones that's reoccurring. Yeah, he still made that heat, uh, but he ended up giving the walkthrough to Luca Messinas, the Peruvian rookie, who went all the way to the quarters alongside Semi Pupo, the Brazilian rookie. How mm. wild was that quarterfinal matchup? Mm. Um, uh, and yeah, Jao Chenka, I thought he was the fucking the best rookie in the comp. Uh, Callum Robson, best of the Aussies. Uh, a rookie from Evans Head, no less, not 15 minutes from where we're recording this. Uh, yeah, incredible performance by the gritty, unheralded battler. But you got, and, and Baron Mamiya as well. Oh, yeah. Can't, yeah. Uh, can't Stand leave Baron out. Performance. out. Just got done by an absolute goat masterclass, one of the all time bits of goatishness. And of course, Moana Wong, the winner of the first ever Pipe Masters event, a wild card on her debut. How cosmic is that? The local so cool. chick. Uh, you know, lucky to be even competing in the event and then takes it out. And just, you could see on her face this morning, it just went down this morning as we record this, but she was blown away. She was living in the moment with something that she'd probably lay in bed thinking about before they even announced that there was going to be a women's event at Pipeline. You know, she was probably already daydreaming about it and it was just raining in like so many cosmic laser beams just straight into the gland, Smivy, the cosmic vibrations at absolute maximum. Before we go, mate, one quick apology to Geordie Smith from me personally because uh, I predicted he'd be the first guy knocked out of the event. I don't know if you remember that from Blitzed a couple of eps back, but I just thought that he was coming in with a head full of steam and um, I thought he might just overamp, especially in light of the fact he wasn't getting to Hawaii early enough to, to make use of all those swells. Ah, but I blew it, mate. I fucking blew it. I thought he looked nervous in his first couple of heats, actually. Uh, but as we've said a million times, the best Geordie is an arrogant, angry, fired-up, cocky Geordie. You know, the guy that wins Bills, the guy that wins J-Bay. And um, I just think that wave he got is one of the most nuts pipe waves ever surfed. Uh, to the point where it made my nuts feel like shrunken little, you know, peas covered in wasabi dust. It was just eye-watering and... Um, I doff the cap, mate. I doff the cap to the great man, Geordie Smith, who is going to be heading to sunset, feeling pretty damn good about himself. And I think Arcal might be on it when he says that Geordie's on for a ripper this year. Yeah, you've got to doff the cap. I mean, that first day of competition, end up getting dwarfed by the narratives of the, the remaining days. But after that first day, you just couldn't ever imagine a more psycho pipe cone than that. Than what Geordie got. I mean, the you talk about cocky, arrogant, angry. Nothing screams that than standing tall in what was a fucking ten to twelve foot pit. I can't. He had so much work to do when he's standing tall in that thing. I'm kind of thinking, was he thinking it was just a closeout? Mm. And was he just like going for the the Clark little Waimea pose, Bruce Irons uh, Waimea Shorey pose in the. Uh, the fucking giant slab, but no, he gets fucking blown out of that. Probably should have been a 10, wasn't, but what a wave to hang his hat on. White chocolate, no longer? No longer? Let's see what happens at sunset because he, if he takes that energy, if he builds, uses that wave as the platform for the rest of his year, Smith, coming back from injury, we might just see another fanning 2007. That's it. Sunset up next. Pipeline Spectacular concludes. What a fucking treat it was. You've been listening to Blitzed, an Ain't That Swell pro-surfing sponge bath.